Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to today's episode of the Mastering Retention Podcast. I am super excited to have <laughs> the one and only Nebmitri Keski with us. I think I got your name right there. Um, she got, she's got to let it flow, right? Um, yeah, so we're going to be talking about all sorts of fun stuff today. Um, but uh, Neb, you know, usually before I dive into it, I always like to just kind of ask like, What's your story? How'd you get into games? Like, and where are you at today? And what are you doing? Oh, okay. Okay. Hi. Uh, first off, uh, happy to be here. Uh, so, uh, my beginnings. Uh, it's it's been a it's been a long road. So, I I got into games pretty late. In my life, I would say I was like thirty. Uh, to to I mean, when I started doing this professionally, uh, I was I was a I was a computer engineer and I was doing some IT jobs. And when mobile games uh, hit big, like on the market, uh, I would say like two thousand twelve, something like that. Uh, I. I started looking into it because these like mobile games and these free-to-play things looked a lot more like doable to me, <laughs> you know, just like a, like a, like a easier beginner games. Yeah. So that's how I got into it. I started looking into like, you know, different builders, how they're made, how, what, what, what makes them click and so on. And yeah, soon enough, we just started making these uh, super casual games. They were not even called hyper casual back then. Uh, with my with my best friend, and it was just two people messing around making games. But yeah, basically, nine months in, we we had like a couple of games ready, and we got a, like a like a publisher deal. Uh, they they got published and one of them was basically like Apple featured in a hundred plus countries, which was awesome. Which was like our and goal. Actually, actually worked back then. Yeah, yeah, that actually worked back then. Uh, yes, uh, but yeah, uh, after that, I I wanted to to you know know more about this work work on a like a better better better. Uh, with more insights, uh, I know I knew even back then that it was like very data driven and all of that. So I started working at Taptail. I mean, okay, all of this I forgot to mention. All of this was happening in uh, Macedonia, like Southeast Europe, where I'm from. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I moved to to Canada in in 2019. We'll we'll get to that part. So basically, I after that I started working at Tabtail, which later got renamed to Crazy Labs. Uh, you know the, the the Israeli company that got acquired mm-hmm. by Embracer recently. So over there, I learned a lot about uh, just pipeline KPIs, that sort of thing, and worked worked on uh, just like uh, they were like masters dominating on the market of like kid games. And then later on, puzzles, and these days they're like doing also like hyper casual mostly. 
Uh, but after that, I got working in a, in a startup in Macedonia uh, that, that, that we called Snowball Games. And we made a very good, like, Dyson Cards games. It was like a Yahtzee on steroids game with, like, <laughs> Clash Royale kind of economy. Yeah. Uh, because we, we loved that back then. And that that was, like, me slowly moving to, like, more complex games. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did, like, at that point, I was following a lot of market trends, market research. Uh, just, like, you know, stuff like, uh, Airpani, Aptopia, Sensor Tower, stuff like that. And I was like digging even more into like why these games make great revenues while games that are very similar to that actually don't. Just digging deeper into that. Uh, and then uh, in 2018, I had like uh, a couple of speeches on Mobile Growth Summit in Berlin and then Casual Connect Eastern Europe. And after that, it was basically time for me. I, I was like heating some ceilings over there. And it, uh, I wanted to uh, just like, you know, get more into games. Uh, and I basically applied to a few companies in Canada. And uh, I got a job at Thinking Ape in 2019. And they were awesome. And they relocated me and my family. Uh, to Vancouver, Canada, and basically I was working on on forex games over there, like forex economies, which is like uh, quite the quite the, quite the step from those hyper casually kind of games in terms of complexity, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, I, I worked a couple of like more like mid core game, but still like nothing can prepare you like for forex economies. That those are like <laughs> terrifying and, and satisfying at the same time. There are a lot of great stories on, on with those. Uh, and yeah, after that, it's Kabam, where I'm at right now. I started at Kabam as like the economy designer, the economy owner on Disney Mirrorverse, uh, but then started working on uh, multiple projects and uh, yeah, like just fresh now, a month ago, I am a uh, product manager so I got more into like product stuff yeah so it's it's a mix of you know product oriented design and stuff like that <clears throat> that's great okay so though a lot of the stuff that we're going to talk about today is related to store design and all sorts of things that go into the the, the shops um before we get to that um so there are a few things that would be fun to talk about so um I know in the past you know, we've kind of mentioned a little bit about this concept of a, a catch-up mechanic. Um, and I feel like I don't see these done a lot and oftentimes they're probably done poorly. I'm just generally curious, like, can you define like what a catch-up mechanic is and and why and when you would want one? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, those are tricky. So uh, basically... Yeah, it's a, it's it's a problem that basically all of the RPG games run into at a certain point. Uh, every game that has hero collector or collections of any kind uh, is will basically like run into this, and it's it's one of those problems that usually come kick in like 
late later in live ops. Uh, again, depending uh, what like like year two, year four, you know. Yeah, sometimes even earlier than that. It it always like depends on on what kind of progression your game has. You mm-hmm. notice like these new games have just like faster and faster pace. They're just like more pumped with content. Like, the bar is getting higher and higher. So, but so you're, you're like progressing super fast and you know stuff are happening everything is exciting uh, but also like depending on the player right so if you if it's for the free-to-play players it will kick in the latest because they, they they have the slowest pace of progression uh, but for big spenders it actually kicks in much earlier so i would say in, in today's games it, it, for big spenders it probably even kicks even before year one but it's, it's still not a thing that is like really detectable and measurable because, you know, games team game teams when they're like in in, uh, in beta or like like you know before they go in soft launch and all that, uh, they get ready. They they need to polish a lot of things. They have tons of work with like onboarding, first user experience. What is month one gonna look like? Maybe month two, month three. But it's really hard to like you know just like see beyond that. Or even if you do, like you just can't, you don't have like you know, the, the the scope or the manpower to plan for that. So for so that, maybe like rephrasing this a little bit. So for that, let's pretend I'm a big spender and I okay. came into a game and I've been playing a lot for this like first year. I'm having fun, progression's fast. Like, yeah. what am I going to hit or experience as the player that like, like why, why do I need to have the ability to do this catch up mechanic? I guess like, what? What's okay. the player getting out of it? Or like, what experience from a negative perspective are they encountering that they need this? Uh, yeah, from uh, yeah, from player perspective, as you said, you're a player. You're like, let's say, like one year in, uh, you're you're spending like generously and all that. So, let's say, yeah, RPG, any any kind of RPG, any kind of hero collector. Uh, you, you have your collection. It's usually like whatever teams of three teams of five. And then it's like what we call like a vertical and horizontal progression. So like vertical progression is maxing out your heroes, which by year one, you, you'll, you'll do that. You'll, you'll have like, let's say, I don't know, five or a dozen heroes maxed out. But then these games are trying to, to just, uh, you know, widen your horizontal roster so you you use different heroes in different modes and all that so you have all that you're making your team and these games you know games as a service they're just uh, pumping out new heroes right Mm -hmm. there's this particular situation where exactly with the spenders like because you're a spender you know the investment needed for for like a to, to max out a hero and, and actually for, for, for this new hero to be usable uh, in this new game that, you know, you're playing for a year, but new heroes keep coming out. Yeah. So basically, just because you know what the investment is and you've maxed out like a dozen of them, when, when a new hero comes out, uh, like these kind of spenders are, are, are very hesitant. Like, I'm not biting this. Like this hero, it's, it's a huge investment. Maybe I'll, I'll just have him as like a four star or whatever, and, and mm-hmm. like sit in. Maybe maybe I'll get to it when I get to it, right? Because my my top roster it, it still needs more like mastery and progression. These things, right? So 
it's a, it's a problem for 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 the game as a, as a live ops game, uh, be, uh, because again, it it depends how you plan it. So it needs like again realistical planning because if you have this sort of a scenario, it's basically you plan for people to play like two, three, four years plus, but their actual progression stops in less than a year once mm. they have their their needed roster and they don't have the need or it's like too pricey to invest in the new heroes so you need to to address that somehow mm, okay so how do we address that how do we fix this problem uh, yeah i mean there are there are multiple ways there are multiple ways so uh, uh some games some games address it as you, you you have like a like a fluid power distribution, so you can basically move your power from hero to hero. Like have two old heroes, reset them, get all your materials back, invest them in the new one, see if that one is actually better, and keep investing in it. Uh, which has its pros and cons, but it's like what what AFK Arena does, what even like State of Survival does as a four X game. They have that kind of mechanic of their heroes. Or, or or this new game that is like uh, a much better looking clone than if here you know called Eternal Evolution, which I noticed like does the same thing. Uh, but I think the the best solution, like by far, is what I noticed in in Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes. So that game is what is like six plus years old now. Mm-hmm. And I, it has like more than 200 heroes. Uh, so what they do is when, when they launch a new event with new heroes, uh, kind of stopped playing a while ago, but let's say, I don't know, like the last they played, <laughs> they were launching like Mandalorians and then maybe Yoda, right? That was like a, a, the current trend. Uh, so what they do is when they launch it, they have like a side quest in which you play with the new hero so, I don't know, like, the first step is they give it to you temporarily maxed out, just a hook to see, like, how awesome it is. They teach you the kit, they teach you, like, the basic spells, casts, or whatever. And then you kind of start playing. Uh, so, let's say you are, like, two years in, you have, like, a really good roster of, like, 20 maxed out other heroes. And you're basically putting them in these encounters and they're like it's kind of self-bucketing mechanism so the all these side quests are like harder and harder and harder so it's basically like if you're like a six months in player and your top roster is like five four stars out of six mm-hmm. we are you're beating those and, and, and it kind of gives you shards for this new hero so the end goal is your new hero ends up being very close to your top roster. So you just keep investing. And there is always that discussion of, are we giving up a lot of like the investment in the hero? But these games are just built so deep. Mm-hmm. And first off, you're not giving up anything because you will notice in your data, people are not biting it anyway, if they need to like build it from zero. Yep. And second off, if you actually help them, to 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 get this character closer to their roster, so they actually see uh, 
it's it's usefulness the, the usefulness of your hero they will just keep investing in it and you know that these investments are usually deep and they're much more regardless of like where you are in the game interesting i thought that i heard something about the same star wars galaxy of heroes where like early on in the game you have the option to pay like a hundred dollars and get all this stuff that like gets you up to like is that also would that also kind of be included in that whole mechanic of a catching up or uh i mean even though it's a different version of that it's like i actually played the game when they launched that for the first time and i saw it saw them did it one more time like the next year uh that one is more of a RPG players who are jumping into this game later or do they just want to pick it up like three years later or whatnot. Yeah. It's just a mechanic to say you're jumping all of early and mid game directly to late game, giving like 80 uh, heroes that are like 90% maxed out, a bunch of ships, everything is there, like uh, the whole progression. Uh, and it's just a hundred dollars. So it sounds like an awesome deal. But again, you know, for players who 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 know what they're doing, who play this kind of games, it's actually a good deal if they just want to like jump in, like directly into the late game and then just keep on pushing. Uh, so yeah, they they tried that, and I I think it it went very well for them, at least like from from like this like external platforms data point you could see. Uh, looked like it, it it went very well for them because again they repeated it one more time while i was playing and i don't know probably probably more after that cool okay um i wanted to move on a little bit and talk about bucketing systems especially bucketing user progression over time um so you know i know you've kind of mentioned this in the past but like what what is this and, and why does it matter? Yeah, well, this this kind of ties into into the into the same thing. It's being able to to bucket your progression uh, in the in the back end in, in, through through the data in the game and, and actually plan it because uh, all of these. All these games have these progression curves that you've you've seen how they look. Like they start polynomial, then they just go exponential, and then they kind of flat out. And all of them do that. And and you have that progression uh, like everywhere on different systems. It's it's everywhere, and it's it, it can get like a bit of messy and unpredictable. So you you have all these curves that have those like spikes, and you just it's really hard. It's it's close to impossible to make them like like work in unison, basically, because you 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 have different heroes, different time. New heroes come out. You have different modes. They have like arenas, like PVE, PVP, like synchronous, asynchronous, all of that. So it's it's a lot of those curves are are, are just like shooting across the board at different times, and in the meantime. If you if you don't have bucketed systems, the rewards you're distributing will be hit and miss. Like if you don't have that, you're just giving them rewards 
that are good for the certain part of the journey, but not all of the journey. So basically having buckets, you're breaking down your, your reward output mechanisms to actually like match those curves in, in certain journeys. It's, it's basically user progression over time, right? So it, you, you want like more of them at the beginning because you want to be like very as controllable as possible in the beginning. Uh, and after that, you can do like bigger chunks, like three to six, six to months to 18 and two years plus and all of that. Because again, it, it all feeds to that like. So, so like, what might you like want to, like, do you have any examples of things you might want to change or be able to control when you're kind of like bucketing like this? Like, yeah. Okay. So, 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 so for example, uh, <clears throat> daily objectives, daily objectives, you have them in, in every game. And when you start, uh, I don't know, you do, you do stuff, you do engagement and it gives you rewards. It even gives you stuff for free. Like, I don't know, even calendar or like daily reward in your like local yeah. market or whatever. Right. So you, you start playing this game and you do the objectives or you, you pick up the free stuff and it's, let's say some kind of like XP material, right? Which when you be, when you begin that XP material can be like something low, like tier one XP material, whatever. So, but it's totally enough for you. You're, you're jumping like three levels with that per day and that sort of a thing. But again, because this curves like go very steep later on, if you just leave that same reward like that, uh, it's, it's just doing nothing for the player later on. So they will even, even like stop going to the market because they don't care that there's nothing of value to them there. Or even stop, even worse, stop doing their daily objectives. Uh, because again, those rewards just don't do anything for them. But if you bucket that, if you say, okay, once you reach this threshold, advance in your story mode on like level X, or once your heroes are like top five heroes that are on average more than level 60, then this thing gets replaced by that and the back with like the bigger thing. The bigger mm -hmm. X item, and then again, it's important to you. It's like it's like basically serving the players what they need at all times in the game. Mm -mm. That's very interesting. It makes a lot of sense, though. Like especially, you know, like if it takes 10, 10 experience to get from level one to two, but then twenty, and then forty, eighty, you know, very quickly, yeah. if you're given an item that gives you ten experience becomes relatively irrelevant by the time yeah, you get to like 60, level like yeah. 16,000 experience. So like the end is just like not doing anything at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, my, my main question with that though, is it sounds like it could get very complicated and very, very tedious very quickly. Like how many, buckets or, or segments is this going to you know end up with and like do you have any you know experience or examples around how to like do it well or you know ways that you've seen it go wrong um like you know for someone that's maybe coming in like hey that sounds like a good idea like how do i actually start to do that in a way uh yeah i mean from what i've seen and from what i worked on directly it's it doesn't get like super complicated uh, because again, 
these curves are these like logical curves. They don't, they are not like, like up and ups and down. They're not earthquake shapes, right? So, uh, like when when you, when you're bucketing against that, I don't. Know, in my experience, it's always like the maximum I've seen is like eight or nine buckets, uh, which is usually enough. Uh, you can. The, the point is. Like you can always like retune these, like you can move the actual borders. That's the whole mm-hmm. point is having them to be tunable to, to like work in unison with like game progression and that like good user experience. But that, that, that's usually enough. Like as, as the game ages, you can always like need more, add more late game stuff, like stuff happen. The game can look like totally different. For people that play for like six plus years, uh, but like it's it's also basically endless, right? Uh, you can add more buckets, but even like starting with like three or four, it's much better uh, than than not starting. Than at all, yeah. Because yeah, like uh, I, I've seen stuff go wrong uh, when when you don't have them or you just have like a couple, and 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 then you think like you know these other things are far out. But then some super engaged players or or like big spenders surprise you, and then you just see that you just see in your da- dashboards that they're like hitting a wall and that their progression stops, or they even start complaining or on Discord, uh, and and all these things. So, yeah, it's it's always good to to react uh, faster and have these things planned out. Makes sense. So. Yeah, I know when we talked about this before, you kind of mentioned this idea of having this data and these buckets um, be usable is like most usable when you actually then can connect them to the game store with the idea being that you always want to serve players the items that they kind of want or need. Um, Do you have any thoughts or examples of like, how do you actually figure out what things a player wants or what things a player needs, especially in, in some games like this that are very complex. Like, can you actually tell what they're working for or like what they really want or they really need? Uh, yeah, yes, usually, yes. I mean, all, all, all the good games uh, actually have these these designs where you have, okay, so... The gacha and, and, and the heroes, and especially like the new heroes, that is always the chase. That's always there, right? But that aside, uh, basically all of these like like top performing games have plans that in certain parts of your journey, in certain parts of your progression, uh, you need more of these certain items and you actually don't need these other ones. So you've noticed, like, when you, when you, on most hero collectors, when you do 10 levels, you need a rank up, then you do another 10 levels, then you do another rank up. And when you rank up, you need this, uh, usually these materials and are very specific. So they grow in their tier. So obviously when you're like early game, you don't need tier four rank up materials that are like for level 70 plus. So, or whatever, like other games, even, even like, uh, the, the level of materials are, are divided into like 
per class or per color or per rarity or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these games are, are pretty good. Like even like early on designs have these like, uh, you know, specific secondary chase materials that you're going to need through your journey. And once you set these bucket ranges properly, you kind of figure out, okay, so in, in my, in my game market, uh, users who are like, you can do user conditions, right? So you can do like users who are progressed in, in their power from range X to range Y and, and, and have also been like, like just a secondary checkup kit can be like how much time they have been in the game. Then, okay, so, so those users in the market that refreshes and gives you like random items, those users see like this pool A of items. After they progress beyond a certain point, they use pool B of items. And to not miss with what they actually need, you can also like be, those pools can actually overlap, right? So like mm. these early, early XP materials on, when, when, when they're on, they, they're like 80% of what they need. But after that, they will probably need them for new heroes or other stuff like that. So you can still leave them in, in the second pool, but they're like maybe just 20%, but you put more of the stuff that they need for mid game and that, that and, and so on. Interesting. Is there, <laughs> so uh, I'm thinking about like pools of items and stuff. And so, um, you know, to answer some basic questions of like, what's the purpose of the store? The purpose of the store is to ultimately sell people stuff so that we can keep paying the bills and keep making the game, right? Um, but uh, yeah, I, I kind of had this question of like, what's the best way to make players care about the store or actually want to go there? Uh, I would imagine most people are just like playing the game. They don't really care about going to the store. Would you say that this kind of mechanic of having pseudo random but it's like from a predefined pool of things that this player might need be a good way to try to get them to come back to the store every you know session to check to see hey is this thing there that i can buy or yeah yeah it's 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 one of the one of the hooks right so like basically how how this store works and and like how to make it successfully work is uh, like what 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 you see in these games is okay. So we're we're giving you a free item daily, or like the more complex the game is, the more like vectors of progression it has, and like more materials and different stuff. Like I don't know, four X strategy games are like most complex. They will give you free item, multiple free items, but they're all like in different tabs. So I make you visit all these different tabs just to get your free stuff for the day. And while you're there, you're seeing these random spews of, okay, this is, this is a thing that, that you probably need at this point. And it costs like hard currency. So you sink out your hard currency, you're out of hard currency, you buy more hard currency for real money, then you continue in that loop. But also even better, uh, like, uh, these, like what we call local stores that use like in-game currencies and, and IEP stores that use like real money you can actually mix them, right? Like, uh, I don't know, like a great example would be uh, games that have uh, multiple tiers of battle pass. So you can buy battle pass one for hard currency, but you actually see the other one, right? It's for real money. It's even better 
So you get like these like three vectors of progression rewards instead of just one. Interesting. Okay. Um, thinking about it like maybe slightly different. Different mobile games often have like very different store designs. Like if I think of like say Clash Royale, they kind of have like the one store page. They have like a few different sections that you kind of scroll through. But if I look at like AFK Arena, I don't even know how many stores they have, like eight, maybe more. Um, what's your take on like different store designs? Like why and when should I choose one versus the other? Like what's the best actual approach to kind of designing? I think about that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that's a, that's a great question. It's like uh, a Clash Royale. That that's a very good good example. But <laughs> so that game, basically, all Supercell games are kind of like a market exception. They they had their did they have their their like own like subgenre breakout. So Clash Royale is is a very easy. I think it's like the easiest, the best pickup game on the market even today like if you even if you don't play it for six months and you can just pick it up and continue playing like nothing happened that is very hard to do like not like not a lot of like mid-core games have that uh, but again it's it's a it's a simple game that that has very complex uh things added over time so it started as a very simple game and their one page store was more than enough to 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 serve you that mix of, of your daily free reward and then you can sync out some some hard currency and you can buy some hard currency. But if you play that game for a longer time, like I play that game for like not as a daily active user, but definitely like as a like a monthly active user for like more than five years. Mm-hmm. And you can notice the added complexity over time. Uh, like if you see their store right now, it's like wildly different and more complex than it was like four years ago. Uh, like right now they have all of these like extremely good offer bundles for real money. They have cosmetic offers, cosmetic offers for real money or for hard currency. Then you have your gold market offers. Then you have your standard chest that was there for forever. And then at the bottom you have something else that's for like esports community engagement. And it's kind of like a lot. You you get like this like choice paralysis at some point when you when you have like a hundred things in a mm-hmm. store page. Uh which as opposed to that, like you mentioned AFK Arena, or maybe even more complex games like Rise of Kingdoms or States of Survival, it's like it took me a long time to realize this because when I first saw their stores, plural. I was like, like wondering, like this is bad UX. Why do they have like seven stores? And you're like wandering around to to see like what you need and where you go and all that. But later on, I realized that it's actually quite ingenious. And it works super well, and it works again. This is connected to the complexity of the game, so it works far better for like midcore games. Uh, but it, it's this concept of having a mall of stores instead of one store and we all know how malls function and do better in general just from real life so they have this like mall of stores concept and they still have like this primary store 
there. It's like most of the IPs are there, but they separate everything. We have like a store per mode. So you have a different store for, for your saga map, a different store for your, I don't know, merchants, bazaars, whatever. They, they, they're basically like stores per mode. So it's, it's very smart actually. Uh, since, since they're all going to have that breadcrumb of free stuff, uh, and it's, it's quite easy like to, to just follow the breadcrumbs and visit all of them. Uh, so they're at the same time training you to play all of these parts of the game and be actually like more engaged and, and see the benefits of that, that, that you're like progressing faster. Uh, so it's like a teaching moment, but at the same time, uh, it's, it's very good that they have separated the, the, the actual wants and needs, right? So if I, if I want more PVP, I'll, I'll orient more towards like these two modes and these two stores. If I want more other stuff, I'll go over there. If I want everything, I'll just go and play through all of this. Uh, but it's, yeah, the goal is, the bottom line is they're like enforcing the meta and, and, and like enforcing those learning loops all around the game. Interesting. Um, so if I think about, again, um, AFK Arena, um, is there, or is, am I really like going down the wrong path of thinking about, you know, what can I learn from a Supercell game? Because they are so, you know, kind of <laughs> one-offs. Like, is there ever a case where having these different kind of mall-like shops, like, should I ever not do that in a certain game? Like, let's say Candy Crush, like, could I make a case for why I would want to have multiple stores for like a Candy Crush? Yeah, I mean, there there is this. You've noticed, like, at least like these last three or four years, there is like hybridization in everything. Mm-hmm. So even Candy Crush, like even same same story, like Candy Crush now and Candy Crush five years ago, different game. Yeah, like I I also. I also play Candy Crush occasionally just to like to see what they what they're doing. Yeah, that that I had I'm like a thousand levels in, uh, and yes, you 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 can actually see even in Candy Crush that they actually have more than one store right now. They don't have just like their primary store, but they actually have uh, like temporary leaderboards. You're earning this stuff while you're competing against this like 20 specific people that may or may not be real people. That's <laughs> a different story. But uh, yeah, even they, they have different stores or or they, they, they have that that more casual loop. Like it's, it's different. So casual games, uh, like the main difference for me is that casual games try to monetize you inside the, the game core loop. Uh, like that moment, you're out of moves, buy more moves. Okay. And that's it. That, that's an actual mini store right there. As opposed to uh, these mid-core games where the, the game loops are totally independent. Like, like Clash Royale, you start your match, that's it. It's the ma- There's nothing you can do monetization-wise inside the match. The monetization happens in the meta outside of the core loop. And that's why with these games, it works better when you, when you have uh, multiple stores to bounce people around 
because you probably also have like multiple modes that have different core loops. So they're all like enforcing each other. Gotcha. Okay. One more shops question and then we'll move on a little bit. Um, okay. What are your thoughts on time-based shops? And what I mean by that is like sometimes when you have a time-limited event running, say like a Valentine's Day event where I can collect currency solely based on that event and then I can spend that currency in the shop. But after, you know, the event is gone, the shop also goes away. Like what's your take on time-limited stores or, or currency-based uh, events? Yeah, I mean, I think they're very useful. They are they're they're basically like a like an integral integral part by now of these games as a service. So all these games basically run events. They they're cyclical events. They have a beginning and an end. Whatever season, uh, Clash Royale, like basically all of them, they they have their their events that. Yeah, basically just cycle through. Sometimes they're two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, whatever. Uh, the battle pass is usually connected to them. Uh, all these things. The more mid-quarter games are, they do use these like specific currencies that are like event-based currencies. So it's it's just a mechanism of of just like controlling the economy. It's like a better control. Like if I want to. Yeah, so like everything has a baseline. All the modes have baseline. People know that in different modes. Like I go over there for XP materials, over there for rank up, over there for gacha and stuff like that. But these events, like they when because they're cyclical and they're important, they need to be like when they're live, they need to be like the focal point of the game. And it's good for 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 the economy cycles also because you have like a, this new currency that has a beginning and an end. And you can be like even more generous with it right. because no, it's going to end and then that's it. It's not going to hurt your economy long-term basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's like the, the best practice. Or so I, I know with a lot of those, like I, I earn this currency and I can spend it in the shop. Usually the items that I spend and I buy in the shop can actually be used, you know, in my existing economy. Have you ever seen a, time-limited event just go like completely wrong you gave away way too much currency they were able to buy way too much stuff or you know are there ways to control or kind of stifle that kind of risk uh, uh yeah definitely <laughs> yeah it's it's all like uh i mean yes I, i've i've worked yeah i've worked on games that uh, basically had like more or less like a broken economy. Uh, it's like multiple ways that this can happen. Like what you said, like the actual events or modes like give out too much or you're just pumping up your IPs because you want, uh, again, like you want people to spend and you want to have that like, you know, revenue earned as all of these games do. But you really need like that internal game economy to to actually work, uh, and 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 again, all the sinks and sources to it's it's a, it's a zero sum game, right? What people earn, they need to sink it out somewhere, and that's what controls the pace of the game. And if you run out of content, it's it's basically game over for your revenue. That's like in short, 
but yeah, like uh, if 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 you're giving out too much, even like I've seen it even in IEPs, if you're giving out too much, then again you're you're, you're just shooting yourself in the leg. Uh, like these these spenders, they, they're gonna be mid and high spenders, but they can be like even more. Uh, or you're giving out too much hard currency uh, in a certain period in sales, and they mm. just stop buying after that because they it's hard currency, and they're yeah. just you know pacing themselves. So that can happen. Uh, yeah, I've I've like I've like fixed economies from from multiple points of view. Like, uh, well, for uh, for like a time limited event store, like could you do something where it's like, hey, every four hours we're going to refresh and give you six items and at worst if you know they manage to get way more currency than they want like at most they're going to get these six items every four hours like through the event and the risk of that harming our overall economy is like fairly low like could you build some sort of protection into there or is that not a good idea oh it is like i i always build like projections on all modes i i, I always have my sheets where I project Okay, this mode, what will be the maximum output of this mode? It's not even viable, but what if a player decides to sink all of their focus and time and energy and like the, the stamina they get, they get in the game for free per 24-hour cycle? They sink everything in this mode. What will be the maximum output of that mode? It doesn't matter if it's like which parts of the progression it serves, like what will actually happen if they do that? Uh, and I always project that for like 12 or 24 months. And then to see, okay, does this make sense uh, in terms of are they gonna progress too much in this part and not in this other part? So when when I when I look at the macro view of all the systems, I want to see all of these uh, things working together. That has like you you will never get them balanced perfectly, but has many clubs in unison as you can get. So people actually uh, sync them out properly, and they're not like ceiling on on one item or more resource investment and very low one other. Again, there there are solutions to that. You can do like temporary shops or your market can start offering stuff that are like super expensive, but you pay them with this currency that you have tons of so you don't care. So you just sink it out. Yeah. But but all these things are are hard. They they take time. Not like doable like in a day or something like that. It yeah. usually takes a month or two. To fix these things yeah do you feel like live ops events that are kind of sync modes are the best way to get players to sync this currency kind of like that or are there other ways i mean probably the the new events are, are always like the new fresh thing that has mm -hmm. the most syncing power but yeah, the the other modes should always work too, man. It, like, like it can be always just a new thing. Then that way, you get into this cycle where you need too much content that you can't keep up. Yeah. Like, especially as I said, like the bar keeps getting higher, the content keeps getting like better and better for the players. But that's also means like more and more expensive for for the game teams, right? Makes sense. Okay, so can't believe that we're like almost out of time here. Um, but there was one last kind of topic that I wanted to touch on a little bit. Um, and th this is kind of the whole idea of the gotcha pool sweet spot. Um, so I, I'm kind of curious, like, 
if I'm thinking about adding gotcha to my game, like what is the best way to do that? When is the best time to like actually offer kind of gotcha to players? Uh, yeah, I mean, the best time to offer, no, that's just as soon as possible, basically. So these games that, that actually have that, I mean, all of them, all the good ones, it's, it's part of the onboarding experience, right? So they're teaching you, like, you have to teach the players as early on as possible that this is important. This is how you get your, your new heroes. And uh, you, basically, this is, this is your chase thing. But the about, like, yeah, the gacha pools is, there are obviously a lot of different types of gacha. There's, like, even a Wikipedia page on that. And most of them come from Japan. <laughs> but basically... In these last, again, four years, four-ish years, uh, things, you know, things gone out of control. Like five years ago, you remember all those like uh, law cases of gotcha is gambling and all that. Like things really got kind of out of control uh, with gotcha in general because these games just kept adding like bigger and bigger pools of gotcha without like actual thought into it like what is this like, this is not playable it's too random if you have like a pool of 100 plus heroes it's close to like winning the lottery like you can't really chase certain types of heroes it becomes too random and too expensive and then and, and five six years ago we had our our crazy game of war games that had like millions of dollars of depth but but like that whole thing surfaced and then uh, players obviously don't like that it's yeah. not much, and it is. So, uh, like all these newer games are trying to be more, like, uh, basically offering different ways of acquiring what you need to get, offering better and and better and, and slapping like more than one pity system on the gacha. So after you do this many pulls. And you, you you were like really unlucky. They were actually gonna give you uh, the item you were chasing and stuff like that, which is yeah. it all it all impacts like your monetization runway. So your monetization runways are now shorter, but but again they're still deep, and, and you kind of control them better with new live ops content, right? Because, because that is uh, like fresh and interesting to players instead of. Uh, launching a game with 100 characters and good luck with that <laughs> good luck with a million pulls of gacha that costs like i don't know two three four dollars per pool or something like that yeah so it, it's almost like you know i do believe best and the worst parts of games are rng you know <laughs> the random number um, but you know when you're designing gacha like how can you do it a, in a way and almost you probably could say the same thing with like casino games, right? Like they know how many times this player can pull before we need to like give them a jackpot so that they feel like they're being rewarded and not just like bled to death in this game. Probably the same thing is true of the gotcha. Like, yeah, a 1% drop chance, you know, 
if you pull it a hundred times, you probably should get that, even though the chances that you'll actually get that with a hundred, you know, pulls is quite a bit lower. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why you have the pity systems. Like, yeah. Like if you have 1% drop rate of legendary, then they say, okay, each hundred pulls, or maybe like they leave a buffer each one, 20 pulls. If you don't get a legend, you'll get a guaranteed legend basically after that. Or, well, yeah, but if you do, the, the, the counter actually resets uh, to, to basically not, don't, don't hurt the bell curve of the average pulls. But, but yeah, but also uh, one of the important things is you can see that all these new games, even like uh, old games that are in live ops for a long time, you can notice that none of them, at least like on the, on the Western markets, none of them have more than 50 or 60 heroes in a, in, in a certain pool. Uh, and again, that's because players are like a lot more experienced now you have like crazy players who play with sheets yeah. and they like sing around everything and then share it uh discord and other communities uh, so and then you're like being all the future spenders can judge you against that like that one happy millionaire in the youtube video where mm -hmm. he everything how much it took to i don't know like diablo immortal got this yeah uh, blow back about that but yeah they they really need to be more like normal now and having having less uh heroes in your pool actually controls that better and have, like just like if you have like 200 heroes you can just like have like again five different gotchas and they all have like smaller pools which is uh, more controllable it gives players agency or yeah. if you have the or is gotcha like you're pulling the gotcha and three heroes pop up? You have to choose one. You're like it's, it's still random, but you're not gonna get the other two. But at least you feel like you have more of a choice in the matter. You know that always kind of bothered me with like the Genshin Impact gotcha. Have uh, like not only did they have the characters in there, but they had all like the weapons and stuff too. And it was like, I mean, in their case, that's because they have too few heroes. Yeah. Like they're like what in year three right now. I don't know. This was early on um, when yeah, I was like, yeah, playing through, yeah, but yeah. Started to think they had like less than 40 heroes. And mm -hmm. yeah, you, if, if you have to, to make it work with what you got, that's what happens. Yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Well, um, so pretty much out of time here. I do have one final question for you, of course, because we are on the Master Retention podcast. And, you know, that's one. What's one tip or trick or lesson you've learned over the years to increase retention? Like, how do you keep your players playing the game for longer? Uh, okay. Hmm. That's the billion-dollar question. I mean, uh, any specifics? What are you talking about? Like, early retention, mid, late, terminal, all could of be, it? Could be anything. You know, you, you, you pick it, and, and we'll go from there. Uh, hmm. yeah, I mean, a lot of, a lot of things, like a lot of things impact retention, everything impacts retention, like the economy obviously impacts like, uh, a later retention, uh, in the beginning, in the onboarding, maybe even up to a month, you want to be, they're always trade-offs, right? You want to be as generous as you want, uh, as you can. 
to keep the players uh, in. Uh, if, you, if you keep them like for more than 30 days, they're more likely to stay on for like a lot of months. Uh, so if, if your like reward output is very generous in those first 30 days, just to like not block the players and keep them in the game and keep them like, you know, more, more hooked in your game. You have the trade off that your like early conversion and early monetization will be lower. But you, you need to do that to have higher retention and you monetize them later, later on. Uh, and that's fine. Or if it's, if it's the other way around, if like the game is more casual and they don't have the content or expect players to play more than a month or two, uh, they lean hard into converting earlier, uh, which is again, all these KPIs are connected, uh, but retention impacts and lifts basically everything and and it's connected like if you have it's always the case if you have better day one retention you'll have better day 180 retention so it's i i don't i don't really know how to answer this a lot of things impacted like the the kind quality of the game onboarding everything like tutorial early on like yeah like Oh yes, like a like a a fellow designer mentioned, uh, like Brian mentioned earlier, that it's actually very important, like what kind of 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 experience and expectation you will give the user in the ad. So when they come into the game, they come with this expectation of what they saw in the ad. That's what they want to play in the game. And and that actually really impacts a lot of day one retention, which makes sense. Uh, but but in the same time, you also have everyone have seen this. You've seen this uh, totally opposite way where you're served like a fake ad of something that's interesting. Get in the game. It's a totally different game. So I don't know how that works out for these games. I, I just know that. Uh, like on the games I've worked on, it's, it's always been a practice to like, what you see is what you get. So like perfect that and then perfect how you're like advertising your like game mechanics and then what is happening in the game to, to have like, again, better overall retention after that inside. Hope you're muted. I muted myself. No, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, it's been so awesome. I feel like I've learned a lot. Um, if people do have any like follow-up questions for you or anything like that, is there a good way for them to get in contact with you? Uh, yeah, sure. Just hit me up on LinkedIn. Perfect. All right. Thank you much. Thank you.